0: That might be my favorite song. The Bible says in Revelation, it says, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Worthy are you, O Lord, and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. We come to serve the goodness of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Father, that that song right there is enough for today. Father, as we pause and think about how faithful you are to us, how good you are to us, we pause, Father, and we thank you for your son that you sent to pay my sin debt. Thank you, Father. In your name. Amen. We'll be in Colossians again if you want to turn there as we go into our deep dive into this wonderful book written by the Apostle Paul while he was sitting in a prison trying to help this church not to go back and re-preach last Sunday's message but I think it is so important what we talked about last week and what we talked about last week was Paul's prayer over this church and Paul's prayer over the people of that church and how that we as believers need to pray this prayer over our church also and how we can pray this over our family and our friends because there's just so much so much in there about how to pray for this church and for the people of this church and you remember just real quickly I'm not going to re-preach it but it but He said, you know, I'm praying for you guys that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Filled with the knowledge of God's will. And and if you remember, I gave you five things that what what was God's will, what God wills for you and for me. And the first thing, if you remember, he said, you must be saved. The second thing is you must be sanctified, set apart from this old world to live a life that does not look like the world's life, but a life that looks like we are serving God an amazing God and a Holy Savior. The third thing that we looked at is that we as Christians are to be filled with the Holy Spirit as we live our lives. The fourth thing we looked at was that we are to stand strong and uncompromising in our faith because of who He is and because we are to be His light on this world. And the fifth thing that we looked at just real quickly is it will bring suffering and hostilities and disagreements within our life. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus said that I've been persecuted. You too will be persecuted because of your faith. And he said, you know, guys, that is your will. I believe God is more interested in our eternity than our temporal. And that's why he said my will for you is to be saved, to be sanctified, to live the Christian life, to live the life that I've given to you. Because one day, he said, just like Jesus, you might suffer, but one day you'll be glorified. That is a great prayer that we have to pray over this church. The second thing that he said real quickly was, you are to live a life worthy of the calling. Your life must match up with him. The Bible tells us that we are our appearance here, the things that we do, the actions, our outside actions must must match up with our inward convictions. And that is that we live a life that looks like Christ. We live a life that brings glory and honor to our Lord and our Savior. We must live a life that matches up with our Savior's life. And we can only do this, the Bible tells us, the third thing that we prayed over real quickly was we can do this because we are strengthened by His power. We are strengthened by the power of Almighty God to be able to do that. And I I told you last week, I'm going to tell you this week, and I might even tell you next week, I don't know. (laughs) Who knows what's going to happen. But that is something that we need to be praying over this church. That is something that we need to be praying over our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids. If you don't know what to pray, man, just go, to, go back to Colossians 1, 9 through 12. And just look at that and go, oh yeah, I remember him saying that. It is that important. Why is it important that we are in God's will? Why is it so important? Why do I just keep emphasizing that, that we are in God's will? Well, let me just tell you what Matthew seven twenty one says, okay? It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Let me read that again. That's that's, that's almost an amen right there. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a massive verse. But he who does the will of my Father does God's will. Is he who will enter heaven on that day? you see if you're not going to do God's will, what does he say there? You will not enter into his into his heaven that's why it's important to do God's will in your life today we're going to look at uh, verses uh, verses really twelve through fourteen and 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 today's message is what God has done for mankind basically the title of the message as our eternal inheritance yes but Paul will tell us three things that God has done for us God has done this for his children and I hope this is a, in a reminder I hope it's an encouragement to, to understand as we walk the Christian life that God really is involved in our lives And that He really has done this for you. And you probably know the things I'm going to say to you, but it never hurts to be reminded. I I know Rhonda always thinks she has to keep reminding me of things that I already know. And I just learn to deal with that. You know how it is? Well, you just learn to deal with when I I remind you of things, okay? It's for our own good and for your good. Thank you, Rhonda, for that. Amen. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Verse 12. Verse 12. Paul is writing this and he's just talked about the strength of the power and he says giving thanks to the father well just read the whole verse who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in life giving thanks to the father in verse 3 he says giving thanks to the father in 1 Thessalonians five eighteen, he said I give thanks in all circumstances remember he's in a Roman jail he always paused to give thanks to the Lord he always remembered in his mind where he was and where God has taken him. He always remembers the goodness of God and he always has this attitude of gratitude as he remembers his salvation, as he remembers the spiritual blessings that God has given to him. How, how, can, he, how, can, he, how can he be fired up about spiritual blessings when he's sitting in a Roman prison? God is good all the time. God is good in the mountaintop. God is good in the valleys. God is always good because he has a plan for our lives, does he not? And, 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 and Paul would say, thank you, Father, for all of this. You see, we have to develop an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of thankfulness, I believe. Because you see, there's a, there's a story in the New Testament about the ten lepers. Ten guys that uh, had no hope in life. 10 guys that were just outcasts, 10 guys that wouldn't even allow them to come into town because of their leprosy. And the Bible says one day Jesus came upon them and he healed all 10 of them. Boom, no leprosy. And he said, go and tell the priest what you were supposed to do from the Old Testament. And all 10 of them left. But the Bible says one came back. One came back and said, thank you. Thank you for this this healing. Thank you. A heart of gratitude. Nine of them didn't come back. Nine, and Jesus goes, I thought there was 10 around here. You see, we've got to develop that attitude of being that one. That when we pause and think about the goodness of God in our life and what he's done through his son, Jesus, we must be able to tell him daily, thank you, Father, for what you have done in my life. Thank you what you're doing in my life today, Father. Father, thank you what you're going to do in the future, Father. And I can promise you the more you say that, the more you'll want to say that as we dwell and we think about and meditate on his goodness. Second part of that verse, let's look at that. What he has really done for us. He says, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of life who has qualified us what does that word mean to be qualified i wonder you see you see we are not worthy we are not acceptable we are not deserving of anything that god has for us did you know that we are not worthy to accept his inheritance that he wants to give to us because you see we we're all sinners and our life, the way we have lived our life, falls short of God's perfection. We have missed the mark. The Bible will even tell us that our best things that we do are but filthy rags according to His perfection. We could never, ever, ever qualify for an inheritance. We never qualify for any blessings. We don't deserve anything, and that's not being bad mouthing or nothing, but that's just who we are. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God and His perfection. But you know what? The beautiful thing that Paul is saying here, that God has qualified us. God has made us to fit into His He doesn't tell us in verse 12 how he has qualified us, but he has made a way for us. And Paul's thankful for that, that he has said he has qualified us. He's made it possible for all of us believers, all of us Christians, that one day we will be a part, share into his inheritance that he has set aside just for us. That's amazing grace right there. That's what I'd call it. Amazing grace that God would even think about doing that. We don't deserve any of it. But yet he says, this is what I have for you. The second part of verse 12 uh, about the inheritance is uh, of the saints in life. The saints in life. We will share an inheritance of the saints uh, in life. Who are those saints? Those saints are those folks that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who's committed their life to the Lord. And then he said, that's who the saints are. Who is? What is this in the light? Well, the Bible tells us God is the light. God is light, okay? And what he's talking about there is that every person who has committed their life to Christ, who has, has, has come into the light who has committed their life to the Lord, who wants to obey His commandments, who wants to walk the walk of the Christian life, then if you are one of those, those are the folks that will share in the inheritance that God has for us. But He would also tell you, if you're not in the light, if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible will say, you are in darkness. And you will never, ever, ever be able to share in the inheritance of holy God, what he has set aside just for you for an eternity. Only those who have been in the light, who have shed, shed their, this old world, accepted Christ, will be able to have an eternal inheritance. I know when my, when my mom and, and dad passed away, they left us an inheritance. They left us a little bit of things there. And and, and you stop to think about that, and as I was looking at this, I thought about that, you know, they didn't leave an inheritance uh, for my cousins or my nephews. They didn't leave an inheritance for the neighbor next door. They didn't leave an inheritance for some friends that they had for all these years. They only left an inheritance to their son, their two sons, and their daughter. To family. And I'm here to tell you that's what God has done for us. He has left an inheritance for only His family. True born again believers in Him. Well what is the inheritance that we've got? What is this this inheritance that's going to look like? And I hope that you're excited about that. I I hope that you're looking forward to that someday. Uh, As I as I have visited with Cheryl a couple of times, Cheryl Franco, and, and with her stage four cancer, and she knows, she knows, and, and she's fine with it, but she's looking forward to that day when she will receive her inheritance. She's looking forward to that day when she moves from this old world into her inheritance that God has set aside just for her. And, and what faith that she shows every day So here is what she's looking forward to. And I hope that you guys will be looking forward to the same kind of thing. What is that inheritance that God has said? This is what I got for y'all, boys and girls. When your time up on on earth is up and you step into eternity. Well, let's see. The first thing it says, we are heirs of eternal life. Okay? Heirs of eternal life. You look at Titus 3.7. That being justified, which is being made right with God by His grace we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The Bible says when we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have been justified by His grace. Being justified means as if we had never sinned. And when we accepted Christ and as if we have never sinned, then it says as heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Well, that hope we talked about last week, didn't we? That hope is not maybe. That hope is not... I wish, or could be, that hope is a quiet assurance, confidence that God will do what He said He would do. You see what that means? We know for beyond a shadow of a doubt that what God has said, He will do. What He has promised, He will do. So when we got justified, when we were made right with Him, we became heirs. And because of that, He will do what He said He will do. And that we will have eternity and inheritance in heaven alone. Second thing, second thing we see here: we are heirs of salvation. We are heirs of salvation. Hebrews 1.14. Are they? and That they right there is angels. Not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. The angels will not inherit salvation. They don't need salvation. They'll never get it. Salvation is always rest- only restricted to you and I, to His people. That's who needs salvation. And the angels are there, it says, to minister, to help, to keep us going, push us in the right direction, maybe. But we are inherit we will inherit salvation because we are his children. The third thing we see there real quickly, we are heirs of his glory. Romans eight seventeen. We are heirs of his glory. And if children heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if we indeed suffer with him, so that may we also be glorified. With him, you see, one of the aspects of God's will was what? The fifth one was what? We will suffer with him. Christ suffered here on this earth, didn't we? And because we are different, we are sanctified. We're sanctified. We're set apart. There could be suffering that come our way. And just like Jesus, who suffered a little bit on this old earth. He was glorified at the cross. He's glorified today as he sits at the right hand of Father. And what a beautiful promise that is to us. Even though life is hard here. Even though we might suffer. Even though things might come into our life. He says what? Remember, you're going to be glorified one day. That is part of your inheritance. That you will one day be glorified in heaven. Just like Jesus has been glorified. I don't know about you, but that is a great, great Promise. We are also heirs of, the, of an immortal and perfect body. 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three. For this perishable body, this perishable body, that's a body that we have today that will rust and will wear out and will rot and will decay. That is today's body. That's a perishable body. One day it says we will put on imperishable that will never rot or rust or wear out or decay. And one day this mortal body must put on immortality. What a beautiful thing that is as Christians. That one day this old body will be put in the grave. And it will continue to deteriorate, continue to decay. But guess what? We're not there. Our soul is with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One day we'll be reunited with this body. We'll be given a glorified body. What a blessing that is. Knowing that this body... Is not what we're going to live with forever. It will be a perfected body. Cheryl will have perfected eyes. No one will have, a, have to wear um, be sitting in a, in, a, in a wheelchair. Nobody will be wearing a cane. Nobody will have to, have to be able to have that hearing aids on. We will have a perfected body. That is part of our inheritance. The Bible tells us that we will get to have. What a beautiful promise that is one day. That we will be perfected. We'll have a body, the Bible tells us, just like Jesus. What a great thing that will be. Glory. Glory. Amen, brother. We are heirs to a perfect inheritance. Number five. 1 Peter 1 tells us this. We will obtain an inheritance which is imperishable. Won't rot, won't rust, won't wear out. An inheritance that is undefiled will have nothing to do with sin. Sin will never have any kind of thing to touch our inheritance. That's beautiful. Will never fade away will never lose its luster. Our inheritance is reserved for you. It's got your name on your inheritance. And it will be protected by the power of God. I, just, I keep coming back to that verse. I, it just says something to me. That this is what we have looking forward to. That this inheritance, when we step into eternity, will be so awesome and so great. And nothing can harm it. Nothing can hurt it. Nothing can make it go away because it's got your name on it in permanent ink and it is protected by the power of God. Protected by the power of God. So it's there for you. What an awesome inheritance that we have as we look forward to it. And Paul says, what does he say? Thank you, Father. (laughs) Thank you, Father, that I'll be able to participate, share in this tremendous inheritance that you have set aside, protected by You just for me, Paul would say. He was thankful, was he not? That is the first way that God qualifies you and I to be sharing in his inheritance. In verse 13, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness, yeah, you betcha, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. He has rec- rescued us from the domain of darkness. It's a picture of someone is in a lake and he's he or she is drowning, and she's they're going down for the third time and they have no hope because they don't know how to swim or something has happened to them and 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 they're just hopeless. And yet somebody sees them from the shore and throws them a line and they grab the line and they're they're pulled to safety. They are rescued from. Their hopeless death. And what Paul is saying here, that is the Christian life, is it not? That one day we were tied up with sin. We were in the domain of darkness, which is sin. And one day someone threw us a lifeline out there. And that someone was Jesus. And we grabbed a hold of that lifeline and he pulled us to shore and he brought us out of this domain of darkness. This, this lifestyle of darkness where the people that are still in darkness, they don't really know who they are. They don't know where they're going or, or, or how they're going to get there. And they have no purpose in their life because they are enslaved to sin and they're in rebellion to holy God. And Paul says, thank you, Father, for saving, for rescuing us from that domain. Thank you for pulling us out of the darkness of sin. Matthew six thirty three says it this way. He said, but if your eye is bad, your whole body is in darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? How great is the darkness? If you've never been born again, you are in darkness, the Bible says. And you think about what? We, we see this in a culture today, don't we? Oh, my gosh. And, and, and I don't know how many times I've thought of this, and many people that I've talked to go, you know, how can somebody think like this? How can, they, how can they think, you know, abortion's okay, killing the life of the unborn. How, how can you get in your mind that that is acceptable? How can you get in your mind that, that it's okay to change the gender of someone that is 5, 6, 7, 8 years old, 10 years old, 13, 16, 20, 80? How can they get to the point that that is acceptable to them? or the homosexual agenda how do they get to that point how do they get to the point that they think that we have anything we can do we can say about climate change we're going to affect that Romans 1:28 says this and he gave them over to a deprived mind or a reprobate mind I suggest to you in our culture today that's what we're seeing that God has given them over they have been so passionate about it, this sinfulness that he goes if that's what you want to do then Go for it. That's why people can get like they have gotten in our society. God has said, it. I'll give you that deprived mind if that's what you want. The lost person who is in darkness is hopeless until somebody shines the light. And the only people that can shine a light in their darkness is you and I. Someone in darkness cannot rescue someone who is in darkness. We are called to be the light of the world. We are called to share our light. We are called to share the gospel, the truth of the gospel, to someone who is dying. We are called to throw them the lifeline and try to drag them from their hopelessness into a a situation where they can be rescued for the Lord. Paul would say, thank you. Thank you for rescuing me, he would say, from his lifestyle. And I hope you can say the very same thing. Thank you, Father, for rescuing me from the domain of darkness and allowing me to be a part of now, your family, forever, which you have allowed me to participate in an eternal inheritance. Verse 14. What has he done for us? It says, in in whom we have redemption... (laughs) The forgiveness of sins. That's what God has done. He has redeemed us, has he not? The, world, the word redeemed means to deliver somebody from, from something. And it's a picture of someone who, is, who goes to court and he has to pay a fine. Or someone who goes to court and they say, you've got prison time. And, and it's a picture of redemption. It is a picture that somebody steps up for that person and pays the fine for that person or says, I'll go spend time in jail and you don't have to. I will take your place so that you won't have to. That's a picture of redemption. And you know who did that, don't you? Jesus did that for you and I. The life of the unbeliever is they cannot save themselves. They can never pay the penalty that they have The Bible tells us that you and I, we all have a sin debt. And you can pay your sin debt or you can let Jesus pay your sin debt. It's up to you. That's the choice that you're making. That's the choice when you decided if you want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. I want you, Jesus, to pay my sin debt or no, I'm going to handle this. I can do this. Well, no, you can't. No, you can't. You see, the life of the unbeliever, he is living a life in rejection of the Lord and the rejection of salvation that Jesus has offered to him. The unbelievers live in a, a life of corruption and, and future death. And that future death tells us that one day, one day that unbelieving person, one day will stand before the righteous judge And the righteous judge is Jesus. And that person will plead his case without any kind of attorney. And the saddest verse in the Bible says this. When Jesus says, I never knew you, depart from me. One day for the unbeliever at the great white throne judgment, that's what's going to happen to every spouse, every son, every daughter, Every friend, every family member, every person you know and every person you don't know that does not accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, they will stand and they will be told, Depart from me into eternal darkness. Oh my, that's separation from God forever and forever. But the beautiful part of this, and Paul would remind us of this, when he talks about this redemption or the forgiveness of sin. But God. What a great phrase. There's no two better words in the Bible. But God. Because you see, he didn't want anybody to do that. He didn't want anybody to stand before righteous Jesus and, and hear the words, depart from me. So because of that, he looks down and he, and he sees the sin debt that we have. And what did he do? He sent his son to come on this earth. To come out of holy heaven, to walk on this earth for 33 years, to put up with all the things that he had to put up with. And the Bible tells us he lived a perfect sinless life. And they hung him on a cross, did they not? And he, and he, and he bled and he died from there and on the third day he rose again. And the Bible tells us that is the only way in which you can receive this inheritance that I'm talking about. <laughs> Because you see, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. See, but God, but God loves us so much, did He not, that He sent His only begotten Son here on this earth. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But God, He did that for us. And as Paul, I can just imagine him sitting in that Roman jail and he thinks about his life and how absolutely awful he was. And he's so thankful that that God sent his son to redeem us, to redeem him, to forgive him of his sins so that he can share in the inheritance that's been set aside just for him. You see, people, I hope that's an encouragement to you. And if it's not an encouragement to you, I hope it's a warning to you. Because if that does not encourage you, you might not be saved. I want this to be a warning to you. If you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is what's going to happen one day. Depart from me. I never knew you. You don't want that. Ain't nobody got time for that. But that's for an eternity. And I just, I just love these parts where he says, Father, thank you for qualifying me that I get to be a part of your inheritance. Thank you for pulling me from this sinful life that I had, this domain of darkness, and putting me in the light so that I can share the light with someone else. And Father, just thank you for redeeming my soul, forgiving me of my sin, because my sin would keep me separated from you, Paul would say. And it no longer keeps me separated. I am part of the family. I've been chosen. I've been forgiven. I've been adopted. I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, and I've got eternal life. And I get to be a part of his inheritance. Paul had a lot of things to be, quali- to be happy for. I hope you're happy for the same kind of things. That, you ha- that he has qualified you for an inheritance. That he's rescued from the domain of darkness. And he has redeemed your soul, forgiven your sins, so that you might live with him forever. Thank you. Thank you does not seem like a big enough word, does it? When you think about it, it just doesn't seem a big. And if you can come up with a bigger word than that, let me know because I'll, I'll I'll start using it. Maybe it's thank I don't know. Thank you, thank you, thank you, like they used to on the Beverly Hill Buzz. I don't know. If you have been born again, that is that this verse was talking. These verses were talking to you. If you've never been born again, these verses are talking to you. What a great day if you've never accepted Christ to do it today. Don't put it off tomorrow. We're not even assured we're going to have it tomorrow. Salvation is today, the Bible says. Don't put it off. We bow our heads and close our eyes as we respond to how the Holy Spirit has, has, has led you today. I don't know what that is, but if you need Jesus, come and get him. If you've been born again, I'd thank him, thank him, thank him that we have an inheritance forever. That you have redeemed us. You pulled me out of darkness. And you've forgiven me. Hallelujah. No better words than that. As we pray. Speak, Father, to the hearts of your people.